Welcome to Spoken Web Shortcuts. Each month on alternate fortnights, that's every second week following the monthly Spoken Web podcast episode, you can join me, Hannah McGregor, and our Minnesota host and curator, Catherine McLeod, for Spoken Web's Shortcuts miniseries. We'll share with you specially curated audio clips from deep in the Spoken Web archives to ask, what does it mean to cut and splice digitally? What kinds of new stories and audio criticism can be produced through these short archival clips? Shortcuts is an extension of the Shortcuts blog posts on Spoken Web blog. So if you love what you hear, make sure to head over to spokenweb.ca for more. If you're a researcher with the Spoken Web Project, think about joining Catherine on Shortcuts to discuss an archival clip that has impacted your work, especially if you're a student who has been digitizing and cataloging recordings and there's a sound that stands out to you after all those hours of listening. Let Catherine know. Pitch Catherine your audio by emailing spokenwebpodcast at gmail.com. Now here is Catherine McLeod with Spoken Web Shortcuts mini stories about how literature sounds. Welcome to Shortcuts. Last month, we immersed ourselves in the world of the Spoken Web Symposium. The Shortcuts episode, called The Event, included audio that resonates with both this year's and last year's Symposium and Institute. And if you were at those events, you'll know that I was recording Shortcuts Live, a new type of Shortcuts episode recorded live on-site with various researchers within the Spoken Web network. Stay tuned for Shortcuts Live in the next season. This month, we continue this season's theme of how the archive remembers. We'll be listening to a clip from a past Shortcuts, one from last June, exactly one year ago, and we'll listen to it again in the context of the transcription episode on the Spoken Web podcast, released at the start of this month. In that episode, Kelly Cubbon and I talk about transcription as a process that is rooted in conversation and collaboration. Do check it out. It's episode 9, Talking Transcription, Accessibility, Collaboration, and Creativity. After making that episode, I thought I'd take a look back at some of the transcripts for shortcuts. When Kelly transcribes the audio, it is usually quite straightforward. And when there are questions, they're often questions related to providing further context as to where the sound is coming from, or if we should put a cue for the reader as to where the voice is from, or where it was recorded right in the transcript. To quote Kelly herself, making one of my favorite points in our episode. The overlapping sound is one thing, but I think also overlapping context, for lack mm. of a better word, has been mm. something I've, I think we've been working to indicate, such as if someone appears in an episode um, in a Zoom interview and then in an archival recording of them, uh, and that archival recording includes them speaking to the audience as an aside and then performing uh, poetry, and then maybe they're in kind of um, a more formal voiceover audio. Like there might be four instances of like slightly different context to indicate. Kelly and I have talked about how these questions are not transcription problems, but rather they are generative transcription challenges and situations to learn from. Another challenge that can emerge in shortcuts 
is how to transcribe words from a poem read out loud. What we've gone with is an approach that transcribes the words as spoken out loud, though including in brackets that the speaker is reading from a poem, since often the tone of voice has changed. That way, the transcript is not attempting to reproduce the poem on the page as it is published. Rather, the transcript aims to represent the sounds heard in the podcast and to make them more accessible. Those examples of what can come up in the process of transcription speak to what I've described in past shortcuts as a figuring out, a navigating of how much to frame the archival clips that I play for you here. How much do I explain their context, or do I simply press play? A phrase that captures this balancing act, at least for me, is one that emerged out of the partial replay that we'll be hearing in this shortcuts. Is what kind of a framework does audio, clipped out of context, need to feel supported? And I say that while holding out my arms, gesturing as though I'm attempting to hold the sound. I've returned to this image and to this phrase and to this act in many moments in these episodes when thinking about place as held, supported, with my arms outstretched as an embodied experience, an audible place created as a feminist placemaking. Holding with arms outstretched conveys that the work of framing is my intervention in it. I am not neutral in how I frame the sound, even if I am offering it to you to do what you wish with it, letting you know that these archives are here and ready to be listened to. I am holding the sound carefully, knowing how difficult it can be to take a recorded voice with all of its situated affect attached to it out of the archives. To unarchive, carefully. That got me thinking, a transcript is also an attempt to hold the sound. It attempts to hold the sound in such a way that increases accessibility to the content, while also recognizing that the transcript is in some way mediating the experience. With all of this in mind, let's return to the episode aptly titled Situating Sound and hear it again in this moment in time. It is an episode that could be situated in the context of communal memories, which I produced afterwards in December 2021, and that is based on the second part of this recording with the voice of late Stolo writer Lee Maracle. Hearing situated sound now makes me feel like there's no episode that necessarily comes before or after, but that these episodes continue to cycle around each other. With that, Let's dive into Situating Sound from June 2021. And you'll hear a recording of Dion Brand reading in 1988. I invite you to think about how the transcript holds the sound, how the information I provide holds the sound, and how my voice holds the sound in that I'm telling you about what you are going to hear and to listen for moments when sound exceeds this holding. And that she had also written about this solidarity in a 1988 issue of the Black women's newspaper, Our Lives, that Brand had helped to edit. These pieces of context 
are only the beginning of unpacking the significance of these two women reading together and unraveling this history all started by wanting to know more about one archival recording. So as we listen to this reading, what would it be like to be there in that room with Dion Brand and Lee Miracle in 1988? Now, in June 2021, what does it feel like when you hear this recording wherever you might be listening from? How do we understand this recording in relation to the archive that holds it? I am recording this a week after Brand read from The Blue Clerk at an annual meeting of the Association of Canadian Archivists. How does Brand hear time? When she introduces what she reads from Primitive Offensive in the recording we're about to hear, she says that the poetry is made out of the pieces of history, a history that, as she says, if you are Black in the Americas, you have to dig for it. How does that resonate with the lines where she chooses to end? I will take any evidence of me, even that carved in the sky by the fingerprints of clouds every day, even those that do not hold a wind's impression. As we could hear in that recording, there are noises in the background. We'll be hearing what sound like cars passing outside. We'll hear some voices and might wonder if those are people talking outside the bookstore window. Or perhaps this recording has been recorded over another one, and we're actually hearing the voices of another time bleeding through the tape. Here is Dion Brand reading from her book, Primitive Offensive, in a recording that was broadcast on Radio Free Rainforest on August 7th, 1988. And now that recording is held by and shapes an archive. I want to read a poem for my grandmother, a poem for my ancestors, really. I wrote this book, Primitive Offensive, because um, for whatever history is left you, if you are black in the Americas, you have to dig and dig and dig and and uh, memorize and memorize and learn and learn it and redo it and recover it and re, you know, because it isn't anywhere else. And so this was my history book. Um, sometimes you arrive and find what seems to be nothing and you have to dig for it. And this is a call to my ancestors about this history. And I looked for my ancestors and I found what there was. Uh, And so, and sometimes you find nothing and you make it anyway, you know. (laughs) You find a piece of cloth, a bit of this, whatever, but you make it, you know. So, ancestor dirt, ancestor snake, ancestor lice, ancestor whip, ancestor fish, ancestor slime, ancestor sea, Ancestor stick, ancestor iron, ancestor bush, ancestor ship, ancestor old woman, old bead. Let me feel your skin, old muscle, old stick. Where are my bells, my rattles, my condiments, my things to fill houses and minutes? The fat is starting, where are my things? My mixtures, my bones, my decorations, old bead, old tamarind switch. Will you bathe me in oils? Will you tie me in white cloth? Call me by my praise name. Sing me Oshun's song. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oya against this clamor. Ancestor, old woman, send my things after me. One moment, old lady. More questions. What happened to the ship in your leap? The boatswain, did he scan the passage's terrible wet face? The navigator, did he blink or stare that ship through your screaming night? The captain, did he lash two slaves to the rigging, for example? Lady, my things, water leaden, my maps, my compass. After all, what is the political position of stars? Drop your crusted cough where you want my hands make precious things out of phlegm. Ancestor wood, ancestor dog, ancestor ancestor old man, dry stick, moustache, skin and bone. Why didn't you remember? Why didn't you remember the name of our tribe? Why didn't you tell me before you die, old horse? You made the white man ride you. You shot off your leg for him, old man. The name of our tribe is all I wanted. Instead you went to the swamps and bush and rice paddies for the trading company, and they buried you in water. Crocodile tears. It would have been better to remember the name of our tribe. Now mosquitoes dance a ballet over your grave, and the old woman buried with you wants to leave. One thing for sure, dismembered woman, when you decide, you are alone. When you decide, you are alone. When you dance, it's your own broken face. When you eat, your own plate of stones. For damn sure you are alone. Where do you think you are going, dismembered woman, limbs chopped off at the ankles? When you decide, believe me, you are alone. Sleep, sleep, tangential face, sleep, sleeping or waking. Understand, you are alone. Diamonds pour from your vagina and your breasts drip healing copper. But listen, woman, dismembered continent, you are alone. See, crying fool, you want to talk in gold. You will cry in iron. You want to dig up stones. You will bury flesh. You think you don't need oils and amulets, compelling powder and reliant smoke. You want to throw people in cesspits. Understand, dismembered one, Ululant. You are alone. When water falls back, land surfaces. I was sent to this cave. I went out one day like a fool to find this cave, to find clay, to dig up metals, to decorate my bare and painful breasts water and clay for a poultice for this gash to find a map an imprint of me anywhere would have kept me calm anywhere with description instead i found a piece of this a tooth a bit of food hung on a metatarsal which resembled mine something else like a note musical but of so little pitch so little lasting perhaps it was my voice and this too a suggestion an insinuation so slight it may be untrue, something moving over the brow as with eyes closed to black, a sensate pole phantom knocks the forehead back, the middle of a dance, no, I can't say dance, it exaggerates, phantom, a bit of image, a motion close to sound, a sound imaged on the retina, resembling sound, a sound seen out of the corner of my eye, a motion heard on my inner ear. I pored over these like a paleontologist, I dusted them off like an archaeologist, a swatch of cloth, skin, artless, coarse utility, but enough. Still, only a bit of paint, of dye on a stone. I cannot say crude, but a crude thing, a hair, a marking, that of fingernail to rock, an ancient, wounded scratch. I handled these like a papyrologist's contours, a desert sprung here, migrations, suggestions, lies phantom, a tableland jutting up artful covert mud. I noted these like a geopolitical scientist. I will take any evidence of me, even that 
carved in the sky by the fingerprints of clouds every day, even those that do not hold a wind's impression. Okay, that's it. Yeah. That was Dion Brand reading from her book, Primitive Offensive. The recording was played on Vancouver's Co-op Radio on August 7th, 1988, and the recording is held by the archives of Radio Free Rainforest, now part of SFU Libraries Digital Collections. You've been listening to Shortcuts. It was recorded in the city of Montreal, or what is known as Jojage in the language of the Ganagahaga Nation. Shortcuts is hosted by Hannah McGregor, transcribed by Kelly Cubbon, mixed and mastered by Miranda Eastwood, and produced by me, Catherine McLeod. Thanks for listening.